welcome to Hot and Heavy. Your hosts are Donovan and Tiffany Reese. We're going to be covering a wide range of topics. Some of them are hot, some of them can get a little heavy. All of them we have opinions on. So go ahead, sit back, grab a bevy, and let's get into today's topic. Hi, Donovan. Hi. I don't know if you um, peruse social media a whole lot. I mean, I'm addicted to TikTok, but other social media platforms, the, the occasional dabble. Right. Mm-hmm. So, see, I don't follow any celebrities, like, at all. I use social... I Instagram and Snapchat are, like, the only two that I really use. Okay. And so, like, I'll sometimes peruse the, like, explore page. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you... If your feed has been doing this either. What the fuck is going on with Selena Gomez and Hailey Bieber? <laughs> I don't know. One's relevant. <laughs> it depends who you ask which one we're talking about. Yeah, I won't elaborate. <laughs> I just like in the month of International Women's Day too. But I don't okay, let let's let's try to <laughs> decipher what the fuck is going on between these two because apparently what I gathered from the little bit of like social perusing that I find. Yes. Selena Gomez got her eyebrows laminated and then like Haley Bieber Laminated? What? Laminated, yeah. Okay, as someone that doesn't do their makeup regularly, okay. what? Okay, so getting your brows laminated is like, basically, do you know how- Getting ready for the office? Okay, so you know how, have you ever seen girls where their eyebrows are like fluffed up and like laid down against their face? Like it looks like they've been brushed up and they're like, they look like they're like gelled like down against their face. What? Or do you know the trend of like soap brows? I'm going to look up a picture for you. Soap? What? Okay. Okay. Basically- all you need to know is that it is a beauty treatment so that you don't have to do your eyebrows every day. Like, you wake up and your eyebrows look nice. Okay. Um, it's kind of like getting your eyelashes tinted so that you don't have to wear mascara or getting your lashes permed so that you don't have to curl your lashes. What is this pimp my ride shit that y'all doing to your face? Oh, well, I don't do it to my face. But basically, it's so that it's like it's doing stuff so that you don't have to do it in your day-to-day routine. So this is typically what your brows look like when oh yeah it's like makeup so that you don't have to do makeup every single day so like here's a here's a really good before and after picture i've seen okay yeah it's for people that like like i used to get lash extensions i don't know if you remember that but it's basically like a different beauty treatment so that your everyday makeup whatever routine is less because you did all these other things that are quote unquote long-term yeah okay yeah i'm learning yeah so basically selena gomez did that and she posted a picture on like her instagram story or something talking about how like she got them too laminated which i i don't know what that means i guess maybe they brushed them up too high or she didn't like how they looked i don't know constantly surprised i guess <laughs> she's just always in a state of shock of huh and then apparently Haley bieber and kylie jenner posted something on their stories like pictures like really close up of their eyebrows like they were clearly on like facetime mm-hmm. and it was like a screenshot of like them both like looking at their eyebrows posted that on their snap store or wherever and people were like oh they're throwing shade at selena and so now everybody and their mother is coming out of the fucking woodwork to be team selena or team Haley, and people are talking about like who the fuck cares they're talking about eyebrows. They are starting beef over eyebrows. I mean, beef beef has been started over worse or better or, or less. Less, yes. I just I don't fuck I don't get it. I really don't get it. And yeah, I've just been I would occasionally scroll through TikTok and like something would pop up about some Haley and Selena beef, and I, I wasn't really following following. I just knew something was going on. Yeah. Again, like I said, I don't I don't really keep up with any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. But, like, now, ever since I saw the one video of, like, some girl being, like, everything you need to know about the beef between Haley and Selena, (laughs) now my feed is just flooded with, I guess I somehow ended up on Team Selena somehow, which, like, okay, sure, I'm comfortable being there. But, like, everything I see is just people painting Haley in a bad light of, like, I saw one video that was, like, here's how... Bieber treated Haley on the red carpet and it's like he's doing the red carpet she like reached out for him and he kind of like turned like it literally looked like he was like just walking away and she reached out and he didn't realize and he kind of like turned back to look at her but people were trying to frame it like he was like pulling away from her and then they cut to a clip of when 
Selena and Justin were dating and he's like pulling her into him on the red carpet. He's kissing her cheek, like whatever, trying to be like, look how much, look how affectionate he was when they were together versus this. Okay, correct me if I'm wrong here. Yeah, 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 yeah. I understand that when when Haley, not Haley, uh, when Justin and Selena were dating, like it was this, you know, it was the Hollywood it couple at its time, right? Wasn't this like a decade ago? It was a while ago, yes. They were on and off for years. But the big thing that I've been seeing all over the place was like her, Selena and The Weeknd started dating to make their their respective exes jealous. Uh, okay, Bella and Justin got it. So then it worked. She ended up getting back with Justin. I think him and Bella got back together too. Again, I don't really follow. They did at one point, yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, then after that, Selena and Justin broke up. Two months later, he and Haley were engaged. So now people are starting to say like, well, I think people have always been saying this of like, he was definitely two-timing when they were together and like, Haley, you were clearly a rebound. Like, why would you marry somebody who clearly like you're his second choice, like whatever. And then you told me apparently Justin was potentially throwing shade at Selena at his birthday. Yeah, I'll pull up the quote. I don't know. It's on one of the meme pages I follow. I hate it when you're trying to find something on Instagram that was on your, like, front page, and then the second you reload it, it's it goes just gone. Over. Yep. So, give me uno momento. Oh, he uh, Apparently, he gifted souvenirs to guests at his birthday, and it's, like, a little lighter that has a little cowboy hat on. It's a cute lighter, but it's, I'm so thankful I didn't end up with what I thought I wanted. And then, like, all the memes after it are, like, crazy how his wife still wants to be what he wanted. Selena is going to sleep knowing she lives in their head rent free. Haley and Selena got to settle it at WrestleMania. Like, it's a bunch of memes, but like, I, I don't get it. I don't get it either because also, I thought a couple months ago or something, Haley and Selena were like taking pictures on the red carpet together, and everybody was like, oh, they settled their beef. Like, everything's fine. So, like, and you know what's crazy? Mm. Uh,. Like, you were telling me some things that Selena Gomez is, like, still doing and, like, still the relevancy of... It's kind of, I guess, sad or unfortunate that the most I've heard about either of these women now is because of some internet drama beef, apparently started by eyebrows. Yeah. Even though both of these women, to my knowledge, are, like, successful in their own regards. But I don't... I'm gonna be real honest. Yeah? I don't know how successful Haley is in her own regard. And that might just be that I just don't know enough about her. But, like, I really don't know, like, what she does. I mean, I'm pretty sure she's a model now. Maybe she is. I know that she was a um, classically trained ballerina for, like, 10 or 12 years or some shit like that. I saw that on one of my, um... We're fact-checking on the air. What does Haley Bieber do? Well, again, from my perusing of this random nonsense of the drama, I know that she apparently has her own beauty line. True, true. And that she does cooking videos. Because everybody was comparing her beauty line to Selena Gomez's. And her cooking videos to Selena's. And they were all, like, framed in the sense of, like, Hailey Bieber copies Selena Gomez. She's an actress, supermodel, socialite, fashion designer, fashion model. Media personality, TV personality. That's what Google says. Okay. It's, I would just define her broad term as a celebrity. Celebrity, yep. Like, that is what she, that, she's a celebrity. Because every celebrity does random. That's what having money is, is you can wake up and say, I want to be a fashion designer and boom, you have a clothing line. But I just, I think, you know, let's talk about it. Why does the media always feel the need to paint women in a way of that they have to be at each other's throats? Because let's be honest, do you think that Selena Gomez or Hailey Bieber are sitting in their homes right now being like, fuck the other one? Or like, oh, I can't believe her. I mean, maybe. Uh Maybe, but also like you just listed how many things that Hailey Bieber is doing? Do you think that her beef with Selena Gomez is at the forefront of her mind? Maybe if it's increasing sales. Potentially. You're right. Okay. I just... It's like, hmm, how can we capitalize on this? But, <laughs> but why I feel like is a lot it... of media does that, yeah. Right. But why is it that the, o- the most that I've heard about, like you said, either one of them, is that they're having beef? There's, there's a fight. Like, what? I mean, conflict sells. We always love being in other people's drama and nosiness. And that's kind of an unhealthy feature of society nowadays. I just, whenever you think about or look at women in the media, whether it be celebrities like as themselves or like characters in movies and stuff, it's just, 
as a woman consuming media, mm-hmm. it's a teeny tiny little box that women are constantly shoved in. And I know we had a pretty heavy um, episode last week talking about your experiences as a minority in America. What are you talking about? I'm a white woman. That's right. I'm sorry. Excuse me. If you don't get that joke, listen to the last episode. Yeah, go back an episode. <laughs> I would love it if we could take a moment to talk about women in television, women in just in the public eye. Yeah. And what it means for how they are portrayed, the expectations of them, all of that in comparison to their male counterparts, which again, I understand, like, I do want to acknowledge that I am, this is a very arbitrary way to like define it of male versus female. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, our society is still very narrow minded. And that is typically how we still separate people there's slowly becoming more space for non-binary or um, beyond the binary but for right now or unfortunately those individuals of beyond the binary typically tend to be put into the same category as women so let's talk about it all right let's get into it let's get it let's get hot and heavy so When we were first talking about this episode, Mm -hmm. originally we were talking about like, okay, like, you know, it's women's month. Like maybe we should talk about women. What do we want to talk about with them? And I remembered a quote from Anya Taylor-Joy, who, can I just say, she is stunning and she's really making a name for herself. Like, I think the first time that I saw her, which I mean, I might, she might've been in other things, but the first time that I saw her was um, the movie Split. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then she was in Queen's Gambit. That was the other big thing where I saw her. Mm-hmm. And now she's in this movie, uh, The Menu. Yes, I want to see that movie. I do too. I haven't seen it yet. But with The Menu, so I'm not fully sure what the storyline is. I've seen some clips here and there of her, like, in the movie. But she was talking about with the BBC when they were on a press tour for The Menu. And they were talking about feminine rage in movies and such. And so I have a quote from her. And I want you to tell me what you think about this as a man hearing it. She says, I have a thing about feminine rage, which people think, um, for some reason, and this is with no disrespect to any writer, I get a lot of like men doing really terrible things and women sit silently while likes, whilst like one tear like slowly falls. And I'm like, oh no, 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 no. We get mad and angry. And I remember pulling Mark, the director, aside and saying, I'm sorry, but the only way for me to play this truthfully is for me to like attack him. So I'm, again, I have not seen this movie yet, but I'm assuming that in the scope of it, it is her and her male counterpart. He does something horrible and they wanted her to do the kind of subdued, could you do this to me? Mm-hmm. Kind of reaction. And she was like- Reserved, if you will. Yes. Yeah. And she was like, no, you need to make it big and angry. Where, what are your thoughts on this? On what she had to say, if you have any opinions on like examples of this in media, like, do you agree? Do you disagree? Because I have my own thoughts. I mean, I think the point that she's trying to make is there's this, we should create this normalization that women are allowed to experience and explore and articulate and demonstrate their uncomfortability and their relationship with motions or sorry not motions emotions outside of what's to be expected without coming across as a bitch Mm. i think that's or crazy or crazy yeah i think anytime in media where you you get to see a woman quote-unquote acting out Mm. it's associated with acting out or acting like a bitch or acting crazy because those are the only confines that we get to see that those types of emotions play out yeah and if you think about the male counterpart the reaction when something horrible happens is typically, when you think about it, screaming, throwing things, slamming their fist against a wall. Uh, like, it's a big Dramatic, outburst. Yeah. yeah. And that's normal. That's almost like expected. Whereas with women, you're right. If the, if the character reacts that way, oh, she's crazy. She snapped. She's a bitch. She's being dramatic. Mm-hmm. Why is that? Why are we so obsessed with women being these demure like composed classy meek quiet women like no they are multifaceted individuals you've seen me get angry probably not my like full-blown explosion angriest that'd be like you know but you've seen it mm-hmm. i'm not sitting there single tier of i can't believe this happened to me no because everybody experiences a wide range of emotions 
like there are men who will react that way there are women who will punch walls like emotion isn't gendered no it's not and it's ridiculous that it's seen as normal and okay for male counterparts to have these big crazy sometimes violent reactions to horrible things happening and it's like yeah that's expected Mm -hmm. and their female counterparts if the exact same happens exact same thing happens to them it's you know the the padding of the tear and moving on with their day so i have thoughts let me hear so of this Mm -hmm. there are some typical tropes that female characters are kind of put into now, this is from tvtropes.org, which is, as you can see, I'm showing Donovan, it is just a list of all these different, like, most, it's still going, we're only in the C's right now. Hey yo, hey yo. Yeah, of just all of these different tropes that women in media play. Now, this is a quote from the website. Each one of those is a hyperlink, so when you click on it, it'll lead you to where it says... like definitions, examples, yes. explanations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is an index of character archetypes that are female at least 90% of the time. So a male wholesome cross-dresser or a gender bender living in a female role can also fill these roles. So okay. for the other 10%, see gender inverted trope, aka a rare male example. And then the contrast to this would be the always male link that they have. Mm-hmm. And they also have a unisex trope. So I went ahead and I scrolled through this list and I pulled some that I see the most often in media. Okay. And I want to get your thoughts on them. Uh, do you do you also see this? Do you have any examples? What do you think of it? Yeah, let's go. All right. So the first one I'm going to start off with is the Manic Pixie Dream Girl. Do you know what that is? I think so, but hit me with the definition. Yeah, absolutely. So, well, for example, let me give you an example of a Manic Pixie Dream Girl and see if you can maybe um, get an idea for it. So, a Manic Pixie Dream Girl would be somebody like Ramona Flowers from Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Okay. So, here we go. It says that, quote, she's stunningly attractive, energetic, high on life, full of wacky quirks, generally including childlike playfulness often with a touch of wild hair dye. She is inexplicably obsessed with our stuffed shirt hero, which is one of the male tropes, on whom she will focus her crazy antics until he learns to live freely and love madly. So she is meant to be kind of like the the kind of like straight-laced kind of, you know, male characters, quirky fun counterpart that's supposed to help him loosen up and smell the roses every once in a while. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, I can't, I can't, my brain's blanking here for a second, so I can't think of shows that I've seen that trope, even though I've no, no, I've seen that movie, so I know what they're talking about. Well, let's see. So they have, they have examples from a wide range of different categories. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to give you some options. You tell me which one you want me to read one for you. Okay. So they have examples in anime and manga, animated films, live action films, live action TV, theater, video games. Or um, web comics. I'll give you the options. Let's go with either TV or video games. Okay. So an example is from the nanny, Fran. Fran Fine. Yeah. She is considered to be, in this, in the context of this show, a manic pixie dream girl. She would fall into that category because, mm-hmm. this is from the website, she's quoted as an upbeat and exuberant Jewish working class woman who brings a much needed new spirit into the entire household of her more uptight widowed British employer, Max Sheffield. So that, again, she falls into the, like, of we were talking about, of, like, she helps the uptight businessman, her employer, Maxwell Sheffield, stop and smell the roses because she's quirky, she's bubbly, she's very colorful. Like, if you've ever seen The Nanny, she is an icon no, in terms that, of her clothes. No, it's one of the shows I remember very distinctly as I was growing up. Yes. Another na, one? Na, 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 na. She was working that. Oh, I'm not going to sing the whole song. Another one which might be a little more more relevant to some of our listeners um, because it is on Netflix. New Girl? Oh, wait. Yeah, Jess? Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She is... Um, so it says, she takes this to the extreme. Deconstructed as Jessica's life is a mess as opposed to the guy she rooms with. Eventually, the show reveals that they are all just as crazy as she is, but in different ways. So event- so originally, she is introduced in the Manic Pixie Dream Girl kind of thing of like, she's quirky and crazy and she's different. But then towards the end, you start to realize, like, they all are, or whatever. I think the issue with that archetype and is 
it can be seen as it can be seen as an empowering role. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a lot of these situations put the the female character either as a main character or like second to the protagonist, who's uh, typically male. Yes, but that being said, they are they their role still is subservient or still a supporting used role. as a an upholding to another male character. Yeah, uh, which is that's exactly what all the examples were. Like. Awesome, you can be this really dynamic, multi-layered character, but your ultimate narrative goal is to help make this man or help make this child's life better. Mm-hmm. And I don't think there is anything wrong with the nature of like being quirky or being cool, adding spice of life to those people around you. I think that's that in itself is awesome. Yeah. But that trope is so engraved in this notion of you're on, you only fit this role if you can help a man out. Yeah. So. Uh, for the Bechdel test there. Fair enough. Um, for those of you who don't know what the Bechdel test is, please elaborate. Oh, Lord. From Oxford Languages, a way of evaluating whether or not a film or other work of fiction portrays women in a way that is sexist or characterized by gender stereotyping. To pass the Bechdel test, a work must feature at least two women. These women must talk to each other and their conversation must concern something other than a man. I'm pretty sure the, the women have to be named. Like, it can't just be two random women on the street. Yeah, it can't just be background characters. Like, they have to actually be relevant to the show. There's a scene on Rick and Morty, which, like, they kind of get really meta into talking about a narrative. And so, this is going to sound really crazy out of context of the show. But, like, Rick and Morty are, like, on a train of, like, a narrative train. Mm-hmm. Like, literally a narrative train. And in order to, like, get through a barrier or something, uh, Morty has to tell a story that passes the Bechdel test. And he is struggling so hard because I was like, you could see both. It is two na- name characters. It's his mom and his sister, Beth and uh, Summer. Uh, but they have like the blankest look on their face. Like, I am just reading a script. And it's both of them. Just, like, what was the conversation? It's like, oh, no, mom, help. I am having my special lady time. My my flow is heavy. And the mom's like, it's OK, daughter of mine. My flow is also heavy. It's okay. Fuck? It is your special woman time. Oh no, we must talk about this later. We ni- we need to fight scorpions. Female, fe- female scorpions. Okay, so... <sighs> and then they shoot, la- uh, not lasers, they shoot rainbows out of their uh, vaginas to kill the female scorpions. And t- yes, technically that scene passes the Bechdel test, but it is so stupid. It's stupid and also... Okay, so if we can't talk about men, what's the only other thing that women are rele- that's re- relevant to women? Their period. Period. <laughs> Menstruation. Like what? Okay, mo- mo- moving along. <laughs> I. Mm. So there's an example of the Bechdel test for you. A, a shitty. A one. shitty one. <laughs> but okay, and the next trope that yeah. I pulled was the plain Jane trope. So this one is quoted as a character, usually female, mm-hmm. who describes herself as homely, ugly, or unattractive. Or is described by such by another character or the author. These types of characters tend to go one of three ways. So I'm going to summarize these. The first one being that she's not really plain at all. She was beautiful all along or, you know, she grew up nicely. Like it was the ugly, the duckling, ugly duckling to a swan. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's the first one. The second one is that she is homely. Like she is, you know, not like traditionally beautiful, but... She makes up for it by being skillful, smart, or with her heart. So it's the kind of like, don't judge a book by its cover idea. Or the last one being that they are aware of their ugliness and they kind of use it as a reason to get attention from others. Of like the quote unquote, I I just want to be beautiful. Eh, on the Bechdel test again, that's subservient to the male gaze persona, which, wow, we're really just giving a bunch of like communication media theory studies today. Uh, the male gaze is this concept that, you know, something in that media format needs to ap- be lovable and appreciative by the heterosexual male in a modern society. An example of this that I can pull from, from like personal experience while I'm like uh, pulling up one for us to discuss, mm-hmm. is I just finished reading a book series, um, the first book being called The Cruel Prince. And longest story short is that it is a human living in the fairy realm okay okay that's all you really need to know okay and so the fair no spoiler. right the fae so the fairies the the mermaids like all of these like mythical creatures that live there are all stunning 
like just naturally drop dead gorgeous and the main character being human means that her beauty even if she is like considered like a victoria's secret model in human terms she's still like meh in terms of like being in the fae mm-hmm. um because they're otherworldly and you know that whatever oh my god she's a human five or sorry she's a human nine but she's a fairy tale like four that's being generous but yeah and so that is like a thing that is a constant theme throughout pretty much the entirety of the trilogy mm-hmm. of like her constantly being like she'll get all dressed up for a ball or something and she'll be like i knew even in comparison like i i was nothing compared to the fairies that were going to be there or the the mermaid or what whatever so she's along the lines of that accepting i'm just like yeah this is she's also yeah but she was also a very skillful uh warrior she was very battle smart like so she falls into the second category of like second or the first one would second second yeah the second one of like yes she is she acknowledges her um lacking in beauty but she makes up for it by being very handy with a sword very battle smart that kind of thing now yes another example that falls into more of like the kind of ugly duckling category but also a little bit of like the first category actually i feel like she might be you tell me which one you think she falls okay so the category is ugly duckling homely but useful and beautiful all along beautiful all along yes okay from harry potter hermione granger so she for anybody that doesn't know who hasn't seen harry potter she is a part of the what they're called i think they're called the golden trio which is harry the main character ron weasley his best friend and then (laughs) hermione granger who is their other best friend right so now when we first meet her she is described in the book as having frizzy hair buck teeth and shrill which yikes and if you haven't read the books, it's the same way in the movies of th- when she's in the earlier movies, her hair is very frizzy and like all over the place. But Hermione's whole thing is that she is crazy intelligent. Like she's described as being the brightest witch of her age. So that's where I say she's kind of like partially the second one. Yeah, I could see her being the homely but still has a skill and also ugly duckling. Right. Because then as she gets older, she learns the to tame. The magic of puberty. Well, that and also <laughs> she learns to tame her hair and you know she ends up being like i forget which movie slash book it is but i think it's goblet of fire and they have this ball where especially in the movie it shows her where finally the two boys see her as the swan that she was the whole time her hair is curled beautifully and she's wearing this gorgeous gown and whatever Mm -hmm. i think that's a very pop culture e relevant example of the plain jane type because the whole movie she was painted into the smart but meh kind of female friend yeah and then as yeah puberty and she matures and stuff suddenly she starts being beautiful and they start to see that she's beautiful and there's even parts where like um they start realizing that boys are noticing that she is beautiful and of course the protective slash jealousy kicks in Mm -hmm. but again it plays into the whole she's she's only relevant to their friendship when she's useful i.e. her skills, her smarts, whatever, or when she suddenly starts being beautiful and then it's relevant to the story because the boys are jealous or they're protective or this, that, or the other thing. Again, this is another character trope where their their existence, their functionality to the narrative is based on their relationship to a male protagonist or a male character, even if, even if they are per- seen as the protagonist. Which a lot of people are like Hermione stands of like, she should have been the main character. Yeah. But, you know, I digress. Um, she didn't have the lightning bolt on her forehead. She did not, unfortunately. Okay, so moving right along. Yes, what's the next one? The next one is very affectionately modernly known as the girl boss slash the office lady. Mm-hmm. So this is kind of like, I'm just going to read it to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is explained as being... A gratuitous English-Japanese term, often abbreviated to OL, for a low-level female employee in a corporate setting. Although she may have higher aspirations, the usual Japanese corporate sexism frequently keeps her fetching coffee, fending off sexual harassment, and forever clinging to the bottom rung of the office ladder. The Western equivalent would be the glass ceiling. So. This is reminding me of, like, that trope of Vanessa was just your average uh, Midwestern girl working at your big insert name company here. Mm-hmm. 
She's just working her way up the corporate ladder. But then all of a sudden, she's at the right coffee shop on the right day. Follow us while Vanessa learns the ins and outs of relationships while also managing corporate success. Tune in this fall for Corporate Woman. Yeah, it's kind of like the the whole thing of like, she's too busy boss bitching to to do anything else. Women are one dimensional. What do you mean, Tiffany Reese? Uh, I mean, that's what I've been trying to tell you. I have a really good example of that. Yes. Have you ever seen the movie? Probably not, but... (laughs) The Proposal. No. Okay. Hit me with it. It's with Sandra Bullock and Ryan Reynolds. Sandra Bullock is a big wig, like, editor in New York City, and she's been in her role for years, and, like, she's single, whatever. Mm -hmm. Ryan Reynolds is her assistant, I think, or he's, like, he's, she's his boss. Long story short, she is single, and she is, like, the epitome of, like, work is my whole life, um, where basically she has a point where she talks about, like, she hasn't been on a date in x years and like all this that the other thing like when you think of like stereotypical like work is my whole life female Mm -hmm. she's cold she is very bossy like she is to a t office is terrified of her because she is just like head bitch in charge exactly yeah okay and the whole premise of the story is that she is getting deported to canada because she never finished her green card paperwork or whatever and so now she manipulates ryan reynolds her assistant by saying we're gonna get married i will give you a promotion if you marry me so that i don't get deported Uh uh-huh i love a good story with a quid pro quo Mm. long story short the movie ends with you guessed it they actually fall in love and they actually end up wanting to be together and she softens and she realizes she maybe she can have it all whatever <laughs> it's your typical rom-com okay but again love that it even though he really is like the main character of the story like it follows him it follows both of them but like he is i would say more of the main character than she is it still leads into this whole thing of like a man saved her basically you know what i mean of like she was girl bossing by herself doing her thing whatever but then she softens when she falls in love Another example that I was thinking of, which, like, doesn't have quite as happy of an ending. Have you seen on Netflix the movie The Atom Project? What do you watch? <laughs> yeah, I just, I realized as this episode's, like, going through, I'm just getting called out on all the things I haven't seen. Okay, so <laughs> The Atom Project is another movie with Ryan Reynolds. Um, and actually, oh my gosh, who's the kid that's going to be playing um, Percy Jackson in the new live action? Oh gosh, what's his name? I remember the guy that was in the old one, Logan. Logan Lerman. (gasps) Daddy. Hey, yo. Sorry. (laughs) So sorry. But anyways, so basically the Adam Project is there is a character in there. Her name is Simeon. I think that's her last name. And she is like, she's one of those people where she has just been so obsessed with climbing to the top and um, being the best and all that. And she ends up being like, evil walker scoville that is who's gonna be playing percy jackson in the live action he is who plays adam in the adam project he plays young adam in the adam project ryan reynolds plays older adam okay yes it's one of those movies it's really good it's very funny highly recommend it those two are they were destined to like play father son young and old like both of them are just it's hilarious highly (laughs) recommend you watch it But she was another one where she was just so power hungry and dedicated to being the best, the most successful, whatever, where time travel is in this movie. She comes back to talk to her younger self and she's like, oh, me, oh, my. Yeah. And she's basically like, you know, like, where are you headed? A date? No, of course not. You don't have time for dates because you're too busy building your empire and like blah, 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 blah. And like, whatever. Mm -hmm. And again, that is instead of it being a man saved her. It's she's the villain because her whole life was centered around being the best, being the most successful, climbing the corporate ladder. She was too busy building her career up. She never had time for anything else, which is ridiculous because within that movie, you can see that you can have it all because her male counterpart, who is like her partner on the project that she's working on and like the company she's trying to build is Mark Ruffalo 
who plays in Marvel as the Hulk, <laughs> he is Adam's father. So he has a wife, a kid, a dog, a house, a life. He like all outside of his career, he's able to do it all. Why can't she? Because she's a woman. And he ends up being kind of like part of like the protagonistic kind of hero team. Mm -hmm. And she's the villain. We have a perfect example right here with Mark Ruffalo's character that it can be done. A character can be multifaceted being a, a family person and a business person and still not be a complete asshole trying to like take over the world. Like, <laughs> why is it okay for the male character to do it? But the female character, she can't handle it? Apparently not. Apparently her, her, apparently the estrogen is just too much. I guess so. It's too much to handle. So all of the ones that I've kind of listed to you were uh, innocent, in a sense, right? So innocent, this one, in a sense? Did you mean to do that? I did not. <laughs> I Yes. <laughs> so this one... I'm going to give you a quote before I tell you the title and you tell me what you think. Oh, Lord. First, she turns you on. Then she turns on you. What do you think? I'm getting, I forget the name, but I'm getting like the red fish in Shark Tale. Lola? L Was that her name? Lola? Yeah. Yeah, I'm getting that. Like turns on Will Smith's character and then all of a sudden she a gold digger. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, a little bit. It's the femme fatale. Fatality. Yes. So, the femme fatale is sexy, and she knows it. All right, these were made famous by, like, film noir kind of styles. Mm -hmm. So, she manipulates and confuses the hero with her undeniable aura of sexiness and danger. Oh, my favorite. Unlike the virginal and sweet damsel in distress, the femme fatale exploits with everything she's got to wrap men around her finger. He knows that she's walking trouble and knows much more about the bad guys than she should. But damn it if he can't resist her feminine wiles. So she's general, generally villainous. Mm -hmm. Okay. Not always though. And I have some different examples for you. And a lot of these are more... A lot of them are more, like, old school kind of films, but one that I have that's, like, a really good, like, more modern interpretation is Anne Hathaway's character in The Dark Knight Rises. Yeah. Selena Kyle. So she, they say, takes it to a whole new level how she has the, you know, tough, street smart, cat burglar energy. You know, she's elegant, but she's just as elegant as she is dangerous. And she starts off as his enemy, and then turns into the love interest towards the end of the film. Do you have any thoughts you want to make about her character, about how she fits into that archetype of the kind of villainous sort of... Seductress. Yeah. Seductress. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I we have another uh, uh, male gaze. Or it, it's almost like this falseness when it comes to the male gaze of like, they're a dangerous character because they do their own thing and they have their own motives and they may not be healthy or good for whatever the protagonist is. But then, I, again, they either start off as a love interest or they turn into a love interest. It's, again, their uniqueness of that character archetype is, again, rooted in their relationship and their subservience to the male character. Mm -hmm. And even when she was, like, like, going back to Selena Kyle, like, even her sexuality is weaponized for bad for evil like she self-interest self yeah like she can't just be hot <laughs> she's evil you know that one cannot stand by itself um which is again fucking ridiculous but it, it's just women can never just be multiple things like they always have to be an accessory to the story or the character hey only a sith speaks in absolutes anyways <laughs> Another good example yes. is a very popular show, Supernatural. So anybody who doesn't know anything about Supernatural, it's two brothers who are demon hunters, basically. Gotcha. And one of the characters who comes into the show in the later seasons, like maybe season four, I think. It's been a hot minute since I've watched Supernatural. But her name was Ruby, and she exploited her sexuality to get people to do what she wanted and to manipulate others and that was her way of 
getting what she wanted. Another really popular one being from the Vampire Diaries, Catherine Pierce. She, again, is very sexy and confident and, you know, all these other things, but she's the villain. And it's the Vampire Diaries, actually, I didn't even really think about this. Um, That's actually a really good example of seeing, like, two sides of the same tropes Mm -hmm. in that. So the Vampire Diaries, the whole premise is there are two characters who look exactly alike. They are doppelgangers. And so in the TV adaptation, because it is based off of a book, the TV adaptation, they are both portrayed by the same actress, Nina Dobrev. The show also ended years ago, so I'm not giving any spoilers. If I'm, I'm sorry, you've had time to catch up. But it's very interesting to watch how Nina, the actress, portrays two f- sides of the female spectrum of Catherine being the evil, seductress, vampire, bad bitch. The femme fatale. Yes, And then her other character, Elena Gilbert, who is very girl next door, sweet, you know, the the complete opposite of that. The homely skill or whatever? No, because she is still pretty, which is why I said, like, the kind of girl next door type, which Mm. that's a trope that, like, we didn't really talk about. But, like, it is another really popular one of, like, the female fantasy of, like, the really cute girl who lives next door. And she's bubbly and she's sweet and, you know, whatever. And she's on the cheerleading squad or something yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. and so it's interesting to see how one actress can play these two very distinct roles and portray them so uniquely Mm -hmm. of she goes from Catherine of like ready to rip somebody's throat out to elena who's running around to high school and you know worried about pep rallies and shit or whatever and again it's all centered around men I actually want to put in a point about kind of taking this entire topic as a whole now. Yes. Um, You know, we've really been talking about like in media, in fictional storytelling narratives. Yeah. Um, And, you know, we we briefly touched on the beginning that like, yes, there are also male tropes that guys can fall into. Uh, And also I have some tropes that black women are put into. Oh, yes. That I want to hit you with. Because a lot of these are... Even, like, the examples that we gave, white. White. White women. Salt is too spicy for the characters I listed. Hey, yo. I think it, there is an important disti- distinction that maybe the audience should have a moment of introspection for. Mm. Is that, you know, there is an entirely different debate, too, on where these characters help shape culture or where culture shapes the characters kind of thing. Yeah. But being mindful that the actress that's playing them mm. is multidimensional, multifaceted. They're more than just their characters. They're more than just their character. Um, Yeah. So I just wanted to add that little spreckle fact in there. Yeah, the only example that we gave that wasn't a white actress was a fish. Voiced by a white white actress. So I have some tropes slash typecast slash stereotypes, what have you, for black women Mm -hmm. in media. Okay. Now, there's a lot... Not as many as the list that I had showed you, which just went on for ages. Of... And it's technically broad. I could apply yeah. to any woman. Or, as they had said, um, some queer characters. Yes, it is. Yeah. But this is specifically tropes around black women. Mm-hmm. So I will give you the three of them, and then I will, we can go into talking about them. Do you want to try to guess them? Okay. I'm, I'm pulling up my old media ecology class here i know i had to like rifle back through to like my gender and women's studies classes one is jezebel right yes one is mammy yep well there's actually i think four but i forget what the other yeah i was taught a different third one from the one that i have listed Uh, i'm so glad this is in jeopardy because i'd be (laughs) screwed right now what is it okay and then the the one that I we discussed in my classes was the welfare queen. Yes, yes. Yep, that, that's But one. the one that I have listed here is the sapphire slash the angry black woman. Okay, I've seen the angry. Yeah, I didn't know it was called the sapphire, but that's what they titled it. So let's start off with the Jezebel. Um, and so... These, I have my sources. So the one was actually baptistnews.com, and that's where I got the information for the Jezebel. So the Jezebel, do you want to go ahead and take a guess at what the Jezebel character is? If I'm not mistaken, that, that that's one that's rooted in like sexual identity and being yeah. seen as this promiscuous mm-hmm. 
rare person to be attracted by oftentimes a white male. Yes. So a quote that I pulled from this article was, it's a slave construct and stereotype that paints black women as evil and immoral. The Jezebel stereotype is synonymous with promiscuity, Mm -hmm. having an insatiable sexual appetite, and someone who uses sex to manipulate men, Lanson Billings writes. She is a conniving tentrist who cannot be trusted. Yeah. So once again, painting women and their sexuality as being evil, immoral, manipulative. Like this one is actually like very harshly. I was gonna say this one's a lot harsher worded than the other. Like the femme femme fatale. Yeah. Which they're both basically the same character of they use their sexuality to manipulate their male counterparts. Yeah, but one seem almost like a kink and the other one is yeah. this thing you should be ashamed of. Literally, she's a conniving temptress is an evil and immoral are quotes used to describe the Jezebel. Yeah, that's some, that's some diet racism right there. I don't even know if it's diet. Like, that. that's like straight up. That's liquid cane. <laughs> yeah that's like really aggressive yeah All right, um, so that's jezebel yes the next one is the mammy character and this is from a bbc article about hollywood's favorite racist stereotypes and so the mammy character do you want to try to give an example that's or do like, you want to like give a description that's like the the nanny figure of like the caregiver mm-hmm. oftentimes like a, like a maid or some type of subservient role to an if you go back to historical like an owner or a master mm-hmm. uh, but in modern tropes it's usually like your boss or something or a the person that you clean the house for white family yeah. yeah so it is and we have two really popular characters who we can like reference in this character so this is a direct quote from the BBC. She is traditionally depicted as a dark-skinned, overweight woman wearing a head wrap and shawl. The mammy is employed by a white family to care for their children and is utterly devoted to her charges. So the one that I thought of immediately was literally Mammy from Gone with the Wind. Have you ever seen that movie? That was my mother's favorite movie. Um, fun fact, she actually named my sister and I after characters from Gone with the Wind because she loved it so much. Right, right. Um... So my sister's middle name is Scarlett after Scarlett O'Hara, the main character, (laughs) which is a white woman who lives on a plantation. The whole thing takes place like Civil War, pre-Civil War slash during era. Uh So plantation, slavery, racism, all that. Late 1800s, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, So Scarlett is a white woman living in the South. Mammy is her nanny's name. The character's name is Mammy, and she is a... Doesn't get much more on the nose than that, does it? <laughs> yeah, and she is a... I'm going to say she's a slave. Again, I haven't seen this movie since I was very, very little, um, but she is a black slave named Mammy who is utterly devoted to the O'Hara family, um, constantly taking care of Scarlet and, you know, keeping her out of trouble and this, that, and the other thing. A more newer, which is still years old, example is In the Help. yeah. There's There was that really popular scene going around for a while of the um, black nanny taking care of the little white girl. And it was, you are kind, you are smart, you are important. Mm-hmm. That's another more modern depiction of the Mammy character of, again, we weren't in slave times anymore, but it was still a well-or-off white family employing a black individual to care for the family. And she is utterly devo- devoted and in love with these children. Um, Another thing that was mentioned with the Mammy character is that she serves the white family and is happy to do so. That sounds like those textbooks that were going around for a while of like, the slave had a rough day at work, but don't worry, the master gave them food and water and a place to live. Bullshit. Like, yeah. Capital B, capital U, capital L, capital L, capital S, capital H, capital I, T. Yeah. You, You said it. But yeah, that that was another quote that I had read while perusing different sources and stuff was that she's happy to do it. Did I spell mm. bullshit right? You did. Okay. <laughs> you did. It's okay. And now the final one, which was the one that uh, was the Sapphire slash angry black woman. Mm-hmm. Now, again, I want to preface that these are not my thoughts, opinions. This is just research that I'm pulling. When I thought of like the most common tropes... That was the one that I thought of most that came to mind. 
No, 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 no. Oh, this no. next the, one? The angry black Got woman. Gotcha, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I feel like that is the one that is most often portrayed and overused in media. I mean, one of the most... I would argue that one of the most famous movies or, like, media content that portrays a character of a black woman mm. are the Medea movies, which yeah. is weird because it's played by Tyler Perry. Uh, so a it's black like, man. Yeah. <laughs> but he plays a stereotypical angry black woman mm-hmm. uh and then there's even like sub characters in a lot of the movies that you know experience you know have a woman that is angry or fed up with whatever their relationship yeah. you know cheating husband whatever it's going on a lot of those movies kind of blend together for me now at this point well what does that tell you yeah like it, if you were to ask someone what probably was the most famous like quote-unquote black movie i'm probably like six times out of ten they're probably gonna say medea or black Panther. or black i was that was gonna be the other one but so the the definition of the angry black woman this is from um actually this is from a pretty good like i was pretty excited when i found this article it is from ferris.edu and they did a whole jim crow museum so they had talked about a lot of these different tropes and the anti-black imagery and stuff in that and you know Mm -hmm. so it was really interesting to like read through so this is where i heard the term the sapphire slash angry black woman so quote It portrays a black woman as rude, loud, malicious, stubborn, and overbearing. She is tart-tongued and emasculating, one hand on a hip and the other pointing and jabbing or arms akimbo, violently and rhythmically shaking her head, mocking African-American men for offenses ranging from unemployed to sexually pursuing white women. So, we've talked about a lot. Mm -hmm. A lot. A lot, a lot. Of different stereotypes, tropes, whatever, however you want to identify them. I think it'd What's be the lesson here. Yeah. <laughs> like, one, why do we keep doing this? Is it lazy writing of it's just easy to like spin a wheel, pick a trope, and like, boom, there's my character? Is it just, you know, I mean, what are the harms of it? Of like continuing down this path of screw the Bechdel test? Yeah, the Bechdel test. Yeah, screw the Bechdel test and, you know, fuck it. They're just there to be eye candy or whatever. Like, I mean, even if we pull further back from the character to before you even watch the movie, the show, whatever. Mm -hmm. I remember I discussed um, my gender and women's studies courses. One of them being was we were talking about women in media and we were analyzing the advertisements for certain things. And a lot of them were sexualized for no reason with characters that were like hardly even relevant to the storyline like i'm gonna show you really quick i'm gonna search up there was you have you seen the movies kingsman okay i'm just gonna stop asking if you've seen things yeah this is an episode where i'm I'm just getting called that yeah everything i haven't seen yeah well basically do you know what kingsman is about no okay um (laughs) kingsman is about basically it is about these like i guess spies in like london um and they is like this related work... to glass onion i i've never seen glass onions so i don't know the knives out sequel i've never seen knives out okay they are basically spies they're a, it's literally called kingsman the secret service okay and so they do like government kind of things outside of the government gotcha. basically okay. like that typical trope now i'm going to show you the cover art mm-hmm. for one of the movies that came out the first movie actually are you ready for it? Yep. Oh. Would you like to describe what I just showed you? All right. So I see three men, which also now that I'm seeing the picture, this is totally different movie franchise than what I thought this was. Okay. Uh, but it's three men. Looks like two of them are carrying guns. Oh, there's a cute little dog. Yeah. Uh, they're, they look like they're walking on a mission. Oh, and by the way, it's arched in a way that they are all three of them are walking between a woman's legs or they're assuming it's a woman's legs yes. given the high heels. Uh, holding a gun and a glass of whiskey. Yep. Uh, and so if you don't see the men first, you're seeing ass first. Yeah. She's standing like facing away from the camera. So it's just her ass. And then between her legs, it's like the men are walking between them mm-hmm. basically. Um, and this is a really popular like film poster framing. Yeah. That like, I, I think even like maybe the American Pie movie did it. I've never seen that movie, but like, I feel like... I've seen that framing as well for their films before, maybe. I don't know. But the point being is is that 
the woman who's on that cover, she is like a background minor character. Like she is not one of the main characters. She is like I mean, one we don't of the... even see her face. We see her ass before we see her face. Yes. <laughs> yes. That is the point I'm trying to make is that she is a minor villain in the whole of the movie. She is like the sidekick to the main villain. She's the henchman. Yeah. Yes. And you you see her ass before you even see her character's face. Yeah, I now that I'm thinking about it, I don't even know what race the woman is because I don't know what was holding the gun or the glass because I was staring at heels, thigh, and ass. Yeah. <laughs> and like, we've talked about like sex cells and I get it, but where was the relevance in that? It draws some extra eyes on the poster. Right. Because you're going to be walking around and you're going to see ass. Kingsman. I guess I'm going to go see Kingsman this weekend. <laughs> but I just... Is she a sexualized character in the movie? Yeah. Is she a femme fatale? Yes. Okay. Yes, she 100% is. I'm pretty sure her character's name is... So the character, her boss, he has a little bit of like a lisp. So I can't tell if he's saying Giselle or Gazelle. Because she actually... So she doesn't have... Those were not high heels. Those were blades. What? Yeah. Yeah. That doesn't seem practical. Those are her legs. So, I mean, we love the representation. Wait. Those are prosthetics. Her, her legs are prosthetic. Yeah. And they're they're blades. Oh. Yes. And so he I think he's calling her gazelle, like a little gazelle that like hops around and stuff, because that's how she fights. Oh, that's fucked up. <laughs> that's how she fights, is she like jumps around and like slices heads <laughs> off and shit with her feet. <laughs> this movie sounds like an acid trip, but it's real, I promise. <laughs> but yeah, the femme fatale, who is like a minor background character, is being used as a marketing strategy because they are sexualizing her to try to entice people to come to this movie. What the fuck? <laughs> and when you see them doing it with men, it's in a comedic manner. Mm -hmm. You know, like if they, if we had flipped that around of three women and there's a guy in like, you know, I don't know, what is the male gray sweatpants? Cause she was wearing like skin tight black pants. Yeah, the typical like Black Widow secret agent. Yeah, 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 yeah. kind of outfit. If it was flipped of three women walking between the framing of a man in gray sweatpants, people would be like, that must be a spoof. That's got to be a comedy. Yeah. Without a doubt. 100%. Like, there's not a doubt in my mind that if, even if I saw that poster, I would think it was a joke. I would think it was a comedy of some kind. I mean, that's just, that is the unfortunate normalization of female sexuality is normalized and viewed as necessary plot points mm -hmm. versus male sexualization is either hypersexualized to the point of like this is this is the message we're trying to share and i'm thinking like you know like magic mike kind of movies uh Fifty shades of gray Fifty shades of gray yeah or comedy spoofed mm -hmm. so where do we go from here <sighs> i mean i guess i'll answer the, the question that prompted this whole thing is why are women not relevant in media unless it's for drama or sex I don't have an answer for that. Because there isn't one. <laughs> there isn't one. It's uh, it's I mean, what's can, easy. Yeah, I was going to say, I can give the easy answer. Like, it, it's easy and things aren't going to change. But, I mean, I think uh, eventually, I'm hoping there will be this shift. We are starting to see more complex female characters that are multidimensional. Um, few and far between. Very few and far between. And I think the issue that we're noticing in media sources that are trying to change that normative is they push a little too heavy mm. in that of like, all right, we're creating this multidimensional female character. We're making them so multidimensional character that it, the plot is going to suffer. That or it comes across as... Trying too hard or... Another trope. Yep. Of the pick me girl. Ugh. Or the I'm not like other girls. Yep. Which the fuck does that even mean i don't know i don't know i don't know and i think that's the most frustrating part is that there is no like good answer no because i mean you can't say we'll just stop consuming that media because then there is no media left to consume and that ain't happening right and i mean i'm sorry i feel like this ending is just not as satisfying as some of our other ones yeah normally <laughs> we come to like a really nice like 
conclusion. Yeah, and we're like we leave feeling like yeah, like we really talked through some issues. Woohoo! Like no, if I fist we... pump the air, and and now we're just like wow, life is sad. Yeah, this is one of those where it's like, but this issue is a lot bigger than just one ap- episode. Like one episode, yeah. Yeah. But I think it was worth having. It was. I mean, I had fun talking it out because this isn't a conversation you typically have. Like you know. When you're... Wait, you don't have this conversation when you're going to refill your water bottle? No, I don't. (laughs) This isn't water cooler chat in my office. (laughs) But it was a chat that I was happy to have with you. Same. Same, buddy. I'm glad you're not a one-dimensional character. That's what you think. And on that note... (laughs) (laughs) This has been hot and heavy, (laughs) I guess. (laughs) I'm Tiffany Reese. And I'm Donovan. And we'll catch you hotties in the next one. Bye-bye. And now the credits... This episode has been brought to you by your hosts, Donovan and Tiffany Reese. We want to thank our editing team for putting this shit show together. We want to thank our cat executive officers that are somewhere around the room. I think they're being very quiet right now, so thank you. And we'd like to thank our uh, music staff for getting the audio together for this episode. We'll catch you next time. Bye-bye.